testing one two three drinking juice from mcd's hey this is nasty i'm joking <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Starring Cupid, Starring Me. It's your boy, Zamadadex, nothing more, nothing less, from the east, not the west, if you are Kodola Nubivest. And welcome back to the podcast where we talk about your favorite couples and romantic pairings from TV and film. Today, today's special, today we're holding on to the past as we discuss a film that questions the idea of a soulmate. It's Clementine and Joel from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, a movie with no real genre and no beginning nor end. It's like sci-fi, but also romance, but also drama. It's a lot of things. The first time I watched this, I had no idea what it was about. And I was just watching it for the sake of watching a movie. And also I saw Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet, so I had to. And I remember when I, wa- when I finished watching it, I just thought to myself, this is brilliant, but what the hell? Like, that's what this movie felt like. There's no way I cannot speak about this couple because aside from it warning us against the dangers of tinkering with your brain this is a lovely depiction of the soulmate theory in romantic movies and i wanted to explore that with you guys and talk to you guys about it because i don't think people talk about these things without getting too deep into this let's talk about clementine and joel Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind was made in 2004 and it was directed by Michael Gondry. Uh, You might not know his name, but there's a lot of work with his name on it. There's lots of short films and music videos, but I know him from he directed Green Hornet and Be Kind Rewind. And so I already respected him a lot because of those two movies. I really like Green Hornet. I understand that comparing it to like the superhero movies of now, it's not that great, but there's something charming about it. And you got Christoph Waltz in it. I was sold. I like Green Hornet better than Green Lantern. Ooh, scandals. Anyway, <laughs> um, Gondry was also on the writing team for this movie alongside Charlie Kaufman. And they ended up getting an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay at the 2005 Oscars. So kudos to them for this wonderful mindfuck of a script. Um, This film relies a lot on sequences and transitions that are not normal for realism or realistic films. I... I'm struggling to find the word here. I don't know how to word word this better. But think about how the transitions 
our Aunt Scott pilgrim, like the sequences in there were necessary because we knew that we were adapting a visual piece of work, i.e. the comic book, into this film. This film used it in such a way to show someone's thinking process, literally. And for that, I think it's bloody fucking cool because we get we get uh, insights that we've never had into someone's brain. Like It's not the normal way people show people's thinking process. And for that, I think it's really dope. Special mention to the um, special effects team. They worked really hard on doing that for us. So clicks to them. <laughs> clicks to them. On our cast, we have a great cast. This is a big one because... I love both of these actors very much. We have the incredible Kate Winslet as Clementine. I'm so sorry, Kate. Clementine Krasinski, I think. Rolls off the tongue. Wow, that's a mouthful. <laughs> Rolls off. And we know Winslet because how can you not? She's in everything. She's in everything. She's in Titanic. Collateral Beauty, the Steve Jobs biopic, the dressmaker, and that COVID movie that terrified everyone. She's an OG. She's a. She's an OG. <laughs> um, only to be followed by another OG in his own right. We have the amazing Jim Carrey as Joe Barish. You know Jim Carrey because you you can't not see him. He's in, he's also a person that's in everything from Ace Ventura, Liar Liar, Truman Show, Bruce Almighty, down to that Sonic movie. Two big actors that I love for, for different reasons, and they they came together to be in something I never expected from either one of them. Notable mentions on this cast are notable, like emphasis on notable. We have Kristen Dunst, Elijah Woods, Mark Ruffalo, my bubbly king, Shavata Hulk, and Tom Wilkinson. Today I read that Seth Rogen was almost on this movie, and honestly, I wish we got to see that too. This is such a weird group of people, group of actors to put together, and yet it worked, and I liked it, but also it would have been cool if Seth was there. But everyone that's in this did pretty well, really well. I enjoyed it. If you have not seen this movie, understandable, I do suggest you do go watch it. It's really lovely. I can't emphasize that enough. But if you have not watched it, here is the basic summary. Um, there is no basic summary because <laughs> summarizing this plot, the story, doesn't fully capture the beauty of this film. But I'll try. I'll try my best, guys. For you, I'll try. This film is about a couple that has a very ugly breakup and they get medical procedures done to remove the relationship from their memories. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. There's obviously going to be consequences when you're fucking with the human brain. As is with every episode, this will be prop full of spoilers. And for this one, I'd strongly suggest you watch the movie first because my spoilers will truly ruin it for you. 
but also if you watch this and then you listen to this this will be a good time so go find the movie i think it's on netflix last time i checked but go enjoy it it's a wonderful fantastic movie joel and clementine are a couple that i have not seen depicted in a long time in this way in this and using science fiction as to kind of show this relationship is something new as well so they're worth watching this movie and they're worth the trouble of watching this and then listening to me does that make sense does that sound like i'm putting myself on but anyway let's find out why i say they're worth the trouble In order for me to speak about this romantic pairing accurately, I have to walk the timeline a bit because you see, things don't unfold in a chronological and linear order. We're shown a little bit of the past, the present, past memories, and then at the end we get what I assume is the possible future or the current present. Wow, time travel. It's a deliberate setting and I acknowledge that it helps tell the story, but I need to manipulate it for like 20 minutes to make this episode. Here we go. Now, Clem and Joel are very different from one another, not only in how they look and their like outward, outwardly appearance, but how they act or how their personalities are set up. And somehow they found a space where they can live with those differences and it doesn't hinder their relationship. I've spoken about why I like these opposites attract couples. It's this whole thing back. It's going back to this thing of, yes, we're different. We're very different people. But because we love each other, we are making this this effort to be together. And that's beautiful. That's what's beautiful about Clem and Joel for me. In the flashbacks, we we get to go through Joel's memory and we see these lovely examples of them having a good time as a couple. So we know that it can work. We know that their relationship can exist in, and it will work out. Unfortunately, life isn't eternal sunshine. And sometimes they would fight. They like they argued a few times and they were all quite intense arguments, but nothing too intense. I say intense because they were arguing about things that were serious, but it never got to the point where it was bad until one day it was bad. And like one of these intense arguments leads to them separating in the first place. I want to say that argument wasn't that bad, but words were said. But that's the that argument that breaks them up is the worst kind of argument I think they would have. Now, with that in mind, we still understand that this is a relationship that can work and be healthy for both of them. So we like this opposite attract, and also we get it that sometimes people fight, but they can still be together and be happy if they want to be 
Due to the mind-erasing thing, this couple gives us two unique gunboy moments. I still haven't found a name for them. Not gonna lie, I might have forgotten about it. But now that I now when it was time for me to talk about this thing, I was like, oh no, Zama, you still haven't found a word for this thing. And I was like, oh no, well, they'll forgive me. You guys have to forgive me. You're listening, aren't you? So yeah, gunboy moments. The first actual meeting that these two have is at a beach party and the second is in the train at the train station post their mind wiping procedures both the times we see joel having that gone boy moment and they're exactly the same they're exactly the same he is in awe of clem when whether it's all attraction or it's all curiosity i'm not completely sure but i know that he genuinely fell in love with her twice like joe joe loved her so much that he fought the brain operation to the nail as hard as he could as hard as he did we never find out whether or not Clem fought the procedure as hard as he did but judging by how badly she reacted when that what was the name what was that nigga's name oh elijah 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 kelly elijah wood's character uh i think his name is like patrick or something but yeah we can assume that Clem did fight the procedure because when patrick tries to pass off joel's words or joel's actions as his own she reacts really badly to it she like breaks down so we can assume that she loves joel a lot because of that just don't ask me why like guys after i saw that i was like no this girl loves this man that was enough for me i've said this before that it's nice to see a male lead fall as hard as we see the female leads in these movies in these romantic movies he Joel, Joel was deeply in love and then deeply heartbroken when Clem was, Clem was gone. And it was a thing. It was the, the movie focused on it. They didn't try to like make him seem like he was too cool for this. He felt all the emotions. He felt all the heartbreak. He felt they showed us all the love. And I like it when people do that for male characters. Yeah. I noticed that he also changed any criticism Clementine gave him. In the beginning of the relationship, he kind of make he makes these small little changes in his current life and what we were what we're presented as the current present of the story. There's a scene where they were hanging out when we were still together. There's a scene where they're hanging out, and I think she's complaining that she never knows what Joel is thinking or what's going on in his head. And then when we're in the flashbacks in Joel's mind, we see that Joel was dictating everything as hard as he could in his like little journals. And that gives us, that gives us a direct insight into his head. Now we know that he was doing it for memory, he was doing it to remember everything. But I'll pretend I'll, I'll pretend, for me at least, that he was doing it because he was trying to be better. Like the way that Clementine wanted him to be, better, to be better. And it's nice when you do that. You hear something that your partner said that they they don't like. 
and you work on it and you practice it and you preach it <laughs> you preach it it's lovely to see i think people should adopt that more people should do that more but like within reason <laughs> yeah then we get clem sweet messy and relatable clementine <sighs> what is it with women with multicolored wigs that gets to me you know, like first it was Ramona and Scott Pilgrim versus the world, and now it's Clementine. Do I have a thing? Anyway, sorry. I love Clem because she's not the typical romantic interest that we see. She is quite messy in a sense, like we never get to the bottom of why she is that way, but I like how it was written in not a bad or demeaning way like yes she's a mess but she knows who she is and she wants everyone she dates to get that immediately there's a wonderful quote that she repeats at different occasions because warped timeline and she says it differently in both ways and it slaps in those both ways quick shout out to kate i'm an actress honey winslet for that love that clem says um too many guys think i'm a concept or i complete them or i'm gonna make them alive but i'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for her own peace of mind don't assign me yours and i had to scream i had to scream because yes Yes, queen, speak on my life like you know who I am. She says that, and she means it, she's not here to be the boyfriend clinic because she has her own shit to do. She has her own shit to deal with. If you're coming to her to kind of find yourself, you're going to lose yourself because she's not here for that. Joel admits that he did when he came to her or when he was attracted to her in the beginning, it was because she felt like healing to him or felt different for him. But that idea is soon closed off. By that quote and also just by Clem herself, she shuts that stuff down. And then she has to... Oh, sorry. I enjoy the fact that after she says it, the second time and the second time that they hypothetically meet i say hypothetically i'm putting those finger quotes around second time they meet because it's technically the first time for them the second time that they meet he's ready to he's ready to enter this relationship and be there only to love her like he doesn't need anything else from her anymore he he misses her he wants to be with her now he wants to be with clem now then she has to deal with this other fear that she has like okay what if he gets tired of me is the argument they're kind of having near the end there's a long answer he could have said here and joel simply says okay as in okay then bring it on bring like you think i'm gonna get tired of you i don't see why not bring but okay let's let's see let's see what happens and i think that's romantic i think it's very romantic um to be when you're a person that is 
let's say messy because I don't want to use any other word and messy feels universal. When you're someone as messy as Clem is, to find to find a romantic partner that values you and also loves you through it all, through the through the attitude, through the mood swings, through the oh, I don't think I'm capable of loving someone. I don't think that's what I'm designed to do. When someone hears all of that and sees all of that and sees you for who you are and they go, okay, let's go. That That's romantic for me. Especially when you're not perfect, that's romantic for me. Please continue doing that, putting that on my screen. This pairing had me thinking about how people talk about soulmates in film and i realized that this might be one of the best depictions i've seen in a while i don't know why i'm talking like this i'm sorry does it sound like i'm a turtle but yeah this is one of the best depictions of the soulmate i wanna i wanna say soulmate theory because obviously it is a theory not everyone else believes in soulmates but movies talk about it because um, romantic comedies rest on the soulmate theory lots of movies talk about it but this is the only movie where i felt like okay this is cool this makes sense this explains the soulmate theory to me wonderfully and i say that because in other films soulmates fall apart because of some dramatic scenario if we take the notebook for example they can't be together because the parents disapprove okay haven't heard that before it's like i get why it's a i get why it's a hurdle but it's nothing major it's in eternal sunshine of the spotless mind nothing major happened they just broke up and people break up all the time whether the cause of the breakup was serious or not not everyone gets back together with their ex and but also like not everyone is dating their soulmate and then they break up but that's what i like about this because this film showed me a story where you have these two people that are destined for one another to the point where they just keep finding each other every time I read on the IMDb page that there's a version of this where Clem and Joel would date, they would break up, they'd do the procedure, and then they'd find each other and they'd date all over again. It's this idea that your soulmate will find you time and time again until you're just together. And it's unfair because like that could be that could that that could that's the case of the soulmate theory but we just never know we just never no one comes to you or sends you like an email and be like oh congratulations you've finally cracked it you found your soulmate whatever you do just don't break up like they take the natural course of most romantic relationships but because they're meant to be for whatever reasons that they're meant to be they just keep finding each other, and I think that's cute. I think that's romantic. Obviously, it's not saying that you must go back to your toxic eggs. Like, no, that's not what. That's not the lesson here. I'm not a fortune teller, but any person that hurts you or makes you feel horrible is not your end game. 
that's not the person you're going to get your soulmate email from. I, I promise you. The romantic message here is that only is is showing us a pair of soulmates reuniting after struggling without each other. And I don't know, man, for that reason, I think this couple is wonderful. It's time again to do the likes and dislikes portion of the podcast. Before I start, quick shout out to my big brother, who probably will never hear this. He influenced me to watch this without really telling me what it's about. Like when I said in the beginning that I went into this movie not knowing what the hell it was about. He is one of those people that were like, hey dude, watch it. And now it's like my in my personal top 10 films ever. So shout out to him. Thanks. And to Sam. That being said, here are my dislikes and my likes. I really enjoyed the way that they shot this film. When you hear the concept for this, I can't imagine how the director originally wanted to do this or how he wanted to shoot it. But the way it's executed is so creative. It's it's so different to the to the romance movies we usually see. I compared it to Scott Pilgrim because they had something similar to the comic book transitions. Yet in this movie, it didn't take away from the story. All these things that were happening were just there to add to the narrative, nothing took away from it. And for that, I think it's awesome. So awesome. <laughs> um, I like Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet together and stuff. I want them to act together again in something as quirky as this was. Because they're really great. Like some some actors act together once or twice, and there's just something about the way they are together. And I know that like Hollywood sees it as well because they there will be times when they recast a pair of actors as a couple again. I I raise you Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Wow, I can't think of a single example aside from them right now. But you know what I mean. So I like Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet acting together. It doesn't have to always be romantic, but I do want to see them together again. I like how the story was structured. Usually I hate things where the timeline isn't linear because having to keep track of when certain events happened is it's too much for me. It's too mind-numbing for me. Then I started to watch Westworld, a fantastic existential crisis for three seasons long. And I got used to having stories that exist in different timelines and I like it in this movie because we get to see the full timeline of a romantic relationship and we don't get to see that a lot in rom-coms. We're always, always usually seeing the beginning and the happy part, a little conflict, but always the happy part. Like we saw everything with this couple and I like how they used, how they structured it to show us everything. What I disliked, this is 
this is tough because there's not much to dislike like i said this is one of my top 10 personal faves um but obviously there's always something to critique i truly hated elijah wood's character because <sighs> he's so annoying number one he's such a creep number two but because in his deception and his plan to kind of um, make Clem fall for him, he wasn't trying hard enough for me. Like, dude, if you're going to do something underhanded like that, make sure that you're going to do it well. You know, that's all I ask of you in your deception. Um, I don't like how there were missing pieces in the story. Early on in Joel's flashbacks, we find out that Joel was engaged to another person when he first originally met Clementine. And I don't think they did enough to tell us about that. And then when I was, when I was researching for this thing, I found out that they did have footage with Joel and his fiance, and it just never made the final cut. Obviously people, I say people, Obviously, directors and writers and stuff have their reasons for every cut in the film. But personally, scenes like that would have been really useful for this. I would have really liked to see how Joel was in other relationships beforehand because he looked so miserable when he met Clementine. But who am I? Who am I, though? I am merely a young, hopeless romantic who started a podcast within 24 hours of getting the idea. We are at the end of the show. And this week, I wanted... For, who is, for who's your fave, of course. This week, I wanted to focus on our lead actors because they've... They've both been a part of famous cinematic pairings. And so I thought, why not pit them against each other, you know, for a little hee-hee, for a little ha-ha. So, in this week's Who's Your Fave? In this corner, we have Jane and Dick from Carrie's popular rom-com, Fun with Dick and Jane. I've not finished, I'm not going to lie, I've not finished this movie yet. I got like three quarters into it and I can't remember what happened but from what I saw and what I watched I really enjoyed Fun with Dick and Jane it's yeah it's a they're cool they're cool bear and then in the other corner we have Rose and Jack from Winslet's critically acclaimed role in Titanic everybody has at least seen 20 minutes of Titanic I don't have to talk about them you know about them they're iconic now you're going to say that this is an unfair fight, and I'm well aware, but I believe in underdogs, so I believe in one of these couples, but you have to decide. You have to rep for your set. <laughs> I'm sorry. You have to decide who gets the crown. Maybe I should make the, like an end-of-season like head-to-head battle, you know, like those... I want to say, I want to say, I want to compare it to March Madness, but I don't know enough about basketball and I don't want to sound silly, but maybe I should do that. Maybe I will. And if I do, you'll find out about it when you follow us on Twitter at Starring Cupid and on Tumblr at Starring Cupid, the podcast. That is it for me this week. 
join us again and next week when we talk about a different romantic pairing of a different kind thank you so much for the support and the love so far don't forget to send us your suggestions of couples you wish had happened like for example in this movie i wish that mark ruffalo and kristen dance's characters in this movie had gotten together because they were so cute oh my goodness like they deserved to have their own time but again it wasn't their movie but that's not the point don't forget to send us your suggestions on that like i said follow us on twitter and tumblr if you guys like us enough we might get an instagram page who knows the future is bright thank you so much for joining us bye